0: Sal Berry, and Tim Parrish. This is
1: the Puck Junk Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Puck Junk Hockey Podcast. I'm Sal Barry, and with me is Tim Parrish. And today we're going to talk hockey and hockey cards because that's kind of our thing. Hockey and hockey cards. Tim, what's up, man? How you doing?
0: Wait a minute. This is a hockey card show? The
1: yeah, last time I checked.
0: Oh, I'm in the wrong room.
1: Yeah, no. You're in the right room because right. uh screw those other sports. They have enough podcasts as it is.
0: Yeah, tell me about it. There's I mean, millions there's a, of them. Millions, there's least, I tell you.
1: At least four baseball card podcasts that four, I can name off four hundred. Of that I can name off the top of my head. Well, four that I can name and probably four hundred yeah. others.
0: Yeah, between YouTube YouTube channels that broadcast and pods and stuff there's there's a variety of things for folks whatever flavor you choose
1: speaking of youtube i put uh, last week's episode on youtube um I saw that. and yeah well y- you know it's funny because i have a very specific way of doing things and sometimes that kind of uh That kind of backfires on me because I was like, well, I'll put all the episodes on YouTube. And I'm like going and I'm trying to put all 100 old episodes of our podcast on YouTube. And it was just such a time suck. And it was just like and then you were like, why don't you just put the new ones on YouTube? And if people like us, they could seek out our earlier podcasts on all the other places. And I'm like, oh, my God. Tim, that's genius, right? Like, you know, like I said, I'm so fixated. Like, well, I'm just going to put all the episodes on YouTube because that's what I should do, right? And, uh, yeah. you. I'm all
0: about like, the work smarter, not harder
1: thing. Well, I guess, you know, there's probably somebody who really doesn't care about what we thought about MVP hockey in 2018 or whatever.
0: There might be people that care about that.
1: But, like you said, those of us that
0: are still building the set and never
1: finished it. yeah which set let's see i'm trying to think of the last set i've like completed because i mean i need young guns what does that mean yeah i know it's 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 a myth right
0: there's Um, no such thing as completed sets live where the unicorns and and uh the yeti and sasquatch they all live together
1: well instead of the yeti let's talk about the Yandel keith Yandel. Nine hundred and sixty-five consecutive regular season games eclipsing Doug Jarvis's record of nine hundred and sixty-four games that has stood since nineteen eighty-seven. So he
0: tied it last night and broke it tonight. So I actually heard Doug Jarvis on an interview this morning talking about it and how happy he was for Keith and everything. And he thought, you know, anybody that, you know, thinks that this record shouldn't have been broken, records are made to be broken and we should celebrate this because this is a huge feat. And I agree. People don't last that long. The fact that you can go that far and that long without missing a single game. I think I saw it was, it's was it been 4,296 days since he missed a game. And I find that absolutely insane. The other stat I saw was um, one of his line mates this year, Cam York.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: The last time he, the last time Keith Yandel missed a game, Cam York was eight years old. Wow. <laughs> so, yeah, it goes all the way back to 2009. So, incredible feat. And other thing, interesting too, and this is like a side note, and how my brain doesn't work correctly sometimes. Um, so, this whole entire th- time thinking he's going to break Doug Jarvis's record, for some reason, I thought, um, Doug Jarvis was Doug Harvey, and I'm not sure why, just because their name was Doug. So this whole Mm -hmm. time I'm thinking, oh, he's going to break Doug Harvey's record. So this record's been probably since forever. And then I heard the interview this morning with Doug Jarvis, I'm like, there's no way Doug Harvey's still alive. (laughs) And, yeah, so anyway. I don't know why I confused the two, but whatever. So who's got a shot to break this right now?
1: Oh, uh, Kessel is the only one that comes Kessel. to mind because he's close. So you just, yeah. if Yandel misses um, a game because of one reason or another, then, you know, a couple game, well, a game, then the streak is broken and then uh, Phil Kessel could overtake the record. That's the thing I wanted to say, though, is that you think about all the pitfalls that can befall a player like, okay, there's injury. That's the first thing that can obviously happen. You get injured, right? And then you can't play. Or yeah,
0: especially as a defenseman where you're out blocking shots and getting pucks to the face and getting jacked and getting in fights and everything else.
1: Or you get traded midseason and you're not able to make it to that team's next game. Or which um, handle had, has, which yes. Or we have, uh, you know, the COVID pandemic. Which has put a lot of players on, you know, the uh, the IR with
0: COVID. That's, that's protocol. the most recent shocking thing to me is the fact that he's avoided that.
1: Or <laughs> considering
0: nobody else has seems.
1: Or you have a POS coach who's just gonna like bench you. Yeah. You know, they just say, "Well, we're gonna scratch you tonight." I mean,
0: and I could see that for a more controversial type player or more outspoken player, but I can't think. I don't know anybody that's ever said anything bad about Keith Yandel. All his teammates no. like him. He's got a lot of friends in the in the league, and you know, anytime I've heard him on an interview or or talk to anybody, he seems like a, he seems like a guy you want to go and get a beer with.
1: Oh, and this isn't about uh, anything against Keith Yandel. It's more so about like I could see like an NHLer being close to breaking a record, and then oh, but. Your coach is Mike Babcock, and he just decides that he's gonna scratch you today because he called up three kids from the minors. I mean, because that seems like something Babs would do. what what, isn't it?
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's typical mind game type
1: stuff. I mean, look at what he did to Mike Madano when he he, Mike Madano, Chris Chelios. Right. You know, I get it, those are aging players. I mean, well, you know, and and but, but still, I mean, like, uh, I mean, one thing I read recently, just now that we're on the topic of Babcock, is uh, Chris Chelios talked about the 2009 Winter Classic, Detroit versus Chicago at Wrigley Field. As we all know, Chelios, by the way, the night we're recording this is, is actually Chris Chelios' 60th birthday. Happy birthday to my favorite hockey player of all time. So anyways, Chelios was on the Red Wings and the Hawks and the Red Wings were playing Winter Classic 2009 at Wrigley field where the Chicago Cubs play and Babcock was told you got to play Chris Chelios. He's Chicago, he's Chicago born, he's Chicago player, popular ex-Blackhawk. You got to put him in the lineup. Babcock didn't want to do that. Okay. He did not want to do that. So what does he do? He dresses Chelios. He puts him in the starting lineup. He plays one shift and then he gets benched the rest of the game because that's him saying, well, yeah, I, I played him in the winter classic and now You know, but he didn't want to. I mean, that's just a kind of that's just the kind of crap. So I would be if if I was like if I was close to breaking some sort of like consecutive whatever record, I I would be worried like, oh, no, but my coach is John Tortorella or my coach is Mike Babcock or my coach is. I don't know. Help me out. Who's another one like another coach? uh, (laughs) Mike Keenan.
0: (laughs) I mean, the good thing is. All these coaches were mentioning. None of them are coaching at the at this point in times. But there may be one or two out there still that are kind of like that.
1: Maybe, but I Wouldn't mean, I mean, me. you know, I don't I, when I when I think of like Rod Brindamore, I don't think about that. When I think of Peter Laviolette, I don't think about that. When I think of uh, Elaine Vigneault or um, Bruce Boudreaux, you know what I mean? Like they're 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 tough, serious coaches, but they're also like I guess you'd call them players' coaches, right? Right. You know, like, like, uh, uh, you know, Don Cherry would talk about how he would he'd start his fourth liners because they never got a chance to start. And they'd they'd be so happy that they'd get to stand out there during the anthem, you know, because they never got a a chance to 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 uh, stand during the anthem on on, on the ice. Um, You know, one other thing I want to mention, though, is that uh, Jarvis's record should have been broken. Almost uh, 30 years ago. Um, I want to bring this up really quick. Uh, b- me being a Chicago Blackhawk fan. So the Blackhawks had a player named Steve Larmer. I know you're Larmer. you
0: must be going with the Larmer story.
1: With the Larmer story, right. So Larmer played in 884 consecutive games for the Blackhawks uh, from 82-83 to 92-93. So the, for the first 10 years, he played all 80 games, 80 games, 80 games, 80 games, 80 games for for 10 years. Then in 80 uh, excuse me in 92-93 he played in 84 games because that's when they expanded from 80 to 84 regular season games. He requested a trade after the 92-93 season. The team wasn't going anywhere and he wanted to move on and you know gave him plenty of time. What did the Blackhawks do? They hung on to him until after the start of the 93-94 season. To basically make sure that that record, that he wouldn't extend his consecutive games played record. And then they eventually traded him and he ended up on the Rangers and then won the cup with the Rangers in 93-94. But, you know, just uh, a, a, a total, uh, you know, uh, jerk move by the Blackhawks there to do well, that. that. And you know, it's contract not, dispute. It wasn't even a contract dispute. Well, I mean, I guess it was. Player doesn't want to play for your team. But he gave him enough time. And, I mean, there were 20 teams interested in, in Larmer at that time. I mean, he was one of the, the best Blackhawks players. And, I mean, again, you look at a guy who plays in 884 consecutive games. You look at that guy and go, that's a good player, right? You're not like, oh, what's wrong with him? You're like, oh, hey, that's pretty good, right? Yeah. He had, I mean, at that point he had over 400 goals. So, I mean, um, you know, and he was getting close to a thousand points by, by then. So, I mean, he was, uh, he was up there, but yeah, it's uh, funny too, because Pat Foley, the uh, Blackhawk announcer will bring that up any chance he can get whenever uh, something's mentioned about Steve Larmer or something's mentioned about consecutive uh, games played. He'll, he'll bring that up and say, well, let me tell you, which is interesting because it seems like ever since the team brought him back as announcer, um He's become a little more outspoken. Now, I mean, he's been back with the team since oh uh, eight oh nine, but you know what I mean. Like he'll 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 mention that, which I think is good. I mean, it's, it's you should know the bad stuff and the good stuff about your team. Not everything is all shiny and gold,
0: right? Well, I I was looking as you were talking, and we said Kessel's the best shot at breaking it. Mm-hmm. You know, Marlowe was, but he's out of the league. The next closest one currently active is brett burns
2: yes he's only at 637 Mm.
0: so we're talking a huge difference
2: yeah granted, his
0: streak has started started in
2: 2013
0: Mm -hmm. uh yeah so yandel's got a few years on him but still i mean that's a big gap that's a long time to play and again we're talking about another defenseman so it's like what is with these defensemen that Play nonstop. I mean, I always think of Latang and who like clocks twenty eight minutes a game, and it's just it's ridiculous. You know, he's he's off the ice for ten seconds and he's back on for two and a half minutes. It's it's nuts. But um, Latang's kind of a
1: beast, and he has great hockey hair too. So
0: here's the here here's another one of the reasons why I want to talk about Keith Yandle. Mm-hmm. So. Yandel is not one of those household names. Either necessarily with hockey fans and especially with hobby people. I don't hear anybody talk about Keith Yandel. I don't hear his name brought up. I don't hear any of that. Here's this guy that is a stalwart. Hasn't missed a game since 2009. And he gets... He really doesn't get any hobby love. I was looking at... uh, some of his rookie cards, just to kind of see.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Most of them come from 06, 07. He has a cup rookie. Um, so of course, those are the um, RPAs mm-hmm. with the patches and the autograph and everything else. And just looking at you know, some sales information and things like that for for some of those that have that have actually sold, a lot of them are under 50 bucks. Wow, it seems like a crime to me.
1: Yeah, it does.
0: Especially for a player like that.
1: Well, but it I mean, makes how me many...
0: wonder though if the if the attention that gets put on him for breaking that record, and if he continues to go, if he'll get more, if this will be a hobby push for him.
1: It's it it's kind of hard for me to say that to see that because, I mean, yes, possibly. Um, the thing is, is that, I mean, he's bounced around for a bit. You know, he was with Phoenix for a number of years and they, uh, they're they not a super popular, super collected team, right? And then he was right. with the Rangers for a couple of years and if he was still with the Rangers, I could see that happen you know, kind of like look at the popularity of uh, Mika Zibanejad before joining the Rangers and after joining the Rangers, right? Or uh Artemi Panarin from, you know, his time with Columbus versus his time with the Rangers. I mean, just the Broadway. Examples. Yeah, well, it doesn't even have to be Broadway. But I mean, you look at like certain you look at like certain players that go to like bigger cities, bigger, bigger name cities. I mean, I, I look at like, the cost of John Tavares rookie cards, and I'm kicking myself because when he was with an island, when he was an Islander, I was just like, ah, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll buy that young gun eventually. It's like seventy bucks, yeah, I'll get it eventually, whatever. And he goes to Toronto, and then the thing like triples in value like overnight. And that's this kind is pre-pandemic. I mean, kind
0: of, yeah, and that's kind of the same thing. The Broadway effect is the whole thing. You get put in put in New York, you're you're stuck on the biggest stage, in the in the U.S. Basically, when it comes to publicity and press and the amount of eyeballs that are on you Toronto's the equivalent of that in Canada so you know yeah but
1: I'd say if you play for the Bruins or even the Blackhawks depending on how good these teams are at the moment you know at that moment it's the same thing you know what I mean like
0: I like how you added that asterisk at the end
1: well, no, because I mean, teams are gonna teams are gonna be up and down. You know what I mean? Like teams are gonna have good seasons and good good spans of time and bad spans of time. But like, I, I think about like if there's if there's a if if I have a uh, you know if I have a Kirill Kaprizov rookie card and it's selling for good money and he's with Minnesota and then he goes to Toronto, well, that's just gonna I, it's just gonna go up but if he goes to carolina you, you know what i mean or or buffalo you, buffalo you know yeah. I
0: mean? carolina i don't know carolina's mm-hmm. gotten popular since they're decent
1: no disrespect to carolina you know what the team works hard they try hard they have fun um i mean they they they're one of those smaller market teams that tries to win and build a a, a contender um and i like them don't get me wrong i still have my bunch of jerks t-shirt that uh, James Howard sent me. And he also sent me a bunch of jerks puck, which, you know, I'm going to hang on to that until I die. Cause it's awesome. But, uh, you well, know, and up
0: and up until a minute ago, they were in second place in the Metro.
1: So yeah, they're looking good. Um, so, uh, you want to talk about Leon Dreisaitl?
0: Do I want to talk about him? Not should really, we? I want nice. to. We probably should.
1: Yeah. Well, I, uh, I'll give the thirty-second synopsis here. So during a press conference um, after an Edmonton Oilers team practice, uh, Leon Drysaitel was addressing questions from the media, and he got into an argument with sports writer Jim Matheson, who has covered the Oilers since 1973. So he's been Hall covered- of
0: Fame sports writer.
1: Hall of Fame sports writer. He's 72 years old. He's been covering hockey longer than I've been alive. Right. Covering the Oilers since '73, so he asked Seidel, He's like, and I'm I'm paraphrasing a little bit here, but I'm being careful because I don't want to misquote anybody. He's asking Drysaitel, "Is there one thing, you know, what's the one thing that your team can do better? What's the one thing that your team really needs to get better at?" That's the kind of line of questions he's asking him. Seidel thinks about it and he says, "We have to get better at at everything." Then Matheson says, "If you you know, asks him if he wants to elaborate." And then Drysdale goes, "Nope, you can do that. You know everything." And then there's like a pause, and then Matheson says, "Why are you so pissy, Leon?" And then of course things just kind of escalated from there. You know, I'm not being pissy, and he's like, "Yes, you are." And I'll, and so that was, uh, you know. And then he asks him, like, "Well, oh, do you think it's a good idea to show your frustration on the ice?" And Dreisaitl's like, sure, whatever. And then he, he walks away. I mean, he was dismissed by the PR person. Okay, thank you. But um, I got thoughts on this. Obviously, as somebody who likes hockey, loves hockey, has watched hockey a long time. Somebody, although I'm not, you know, I'm, I do write about hockey. I do write for publications. I'm not a Hall of Fame writer. I'm nowhere in the same league as Matheson. Um, but... I watched that and I kind of cringed because not because of Seidel's response cuz you know what he's 26 years old he's he's a kid okay I was cocky at 26 years old and I didn't have those anywhere near the skill set that that he has in anything and, and and I thought that um Matheson being 72 years old would be a little thicker skinned. But you know, the other thing is that we've seen interviews with like athletes from other uh, sports. Football always comes to mind when you see an, an athlete that's really rude or mean to like uh, the sports writer and you don't really see that in hockey. And like what how how Matheson was treated by dry would be considered a good day in like a major league baseball situation, you know what I mean? Like, oh, this player's in yeah. a bad mood, and he just treated him like that, and he'd be like, eh, whatever. So I mean, this wasn't like, oh my God, clutch my pearls, I'm gonna paint because uh, faint, uh, not paint. I'm gonna faint. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna paint. Yeah, let's uh, let's paint those little miniature uh, Warhammer 4K figures. Um, so that that's my opinion. I feel like, yeah, you know, Drysital is in a bad mood. And I think the only the other other thing is when he said, Nope, you can do that. You know everything. See that would have been the quote that I would have started my article with. I would have been like Leon Dreisaitl said that I know everything. So here's how the Oilers need to get better. Boom, right? That would have been the lead for my story. So anyways, that's my two cents. Would love to hear your 5 cents.
0: Um, it's probably like two and a half cents, but. I, here's the thing, going back to what you said earlier. Yeah, yeah, Matheson's been covering the Oilers since their inception, right? So when they came into the WHA back in 73. So he's had a long relationship with the organization. He's had a long relationship with pretty much every player that's ever played for the Oilers. And he doesn't, for the most part, when you do and see his interviews, he doesn't really pull punches. hmm and he asks the questions that need to be asked, but he also crosses the line a lot of times, and he gets a pass for it because of the fact that his longevity, he's well respected, he's in the Hall of Fame, yada yada yada. But if you remember back last year, he was the one that was all over Miko Koskinen, all over him, like it was in the it was in the news every day about mm-hmm. Koskinen's struggles that he was having.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: To where Matheson, in an interview, flat out told him. He does does he realize that Oilers fans don't want him here? Like that was actually said in the interview. So to to think this is something new? Right. For him to get under one of the player's skin is is uh not the case. <clears throat> so look, it's no fun to lose. I've been on plenty of sports teams in my life. It's not fun to lose. And the Oilers are losing. And not only were they losing, they were losing bad and they were being embarrassed and things were not going well and they hadn't been going well. And, you know, at the time of this interview, they were what, like 2-10-2 or something in 14 games or something like that. I mean, it was pretty bad. So when a reporter comes up to you and asks you, so how, you know, what's wrong with the team? How do you fix the team? It's a pretty patronizing question, I think, to where how are you supposed to answer that, knowing that you're already in a bad mood, the whole team's in a bad mood, morale is down, everything is down, and you're working your butt off every single day at practice trying to figure out how you fill in the holes, how you fill in the gaps, how you fix the problems, how you fix the power play, fix, you know, You know, fix the special teams, fix the defensive play. What do you do? So they're trying all these things, and it's like nothing's working. So they turn around and say, what do you need to do to fix the team? I don't know, man. You've been here since 1973. You tell me. And that's kind of where this ended up. So the fact that then he then turns around and and is like, why are you being so pissy? (laughs) Seriously? It's like I would have got like if that was me, I would have got up and walked out and I would have done the whole uh, Marshawn Lynch. I'm just here. So I don't get fine thing mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. because at that point, it's like. It, and even though it's not, because I think this whole entire thing was more or less blown out of proportion, but to talk on the bigger level of it. It's kind of it's kind of showing a sign of disrespect, and I guess you could see it on both sides. Dreisaitl disrespecting Matheson, but Matheson also disrespecting Dreisaitl. Mm -hmm. And at the same time of all of that, this is much, it's also much ado about nothing. It's a guy poking holes, like you said, and he's trying to look for a headline and trying to look for an answer because I'm sure you can't cover a team for that many years and not be a fan of the team. So as a fan, just like any fan is, when your team's losing, you're upset. And you want to know how we fix it, right? And that's what he's looking for. He's looking for an answer. He's looking for something that that he can talk about. And so, you know, you get to the point where you get pushed, I guess. Mm-hmm. And by him getting a kind of a sarcastic sort of answer back to him, that's what I think that's what set him off. So regardless of what his intention was with the question, it turned into something completely out, something you know totally different.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, we always talk about and we talk about on the show all the time, you know, every time in between periods, you they interview a player and it's like you get the same five answers to every question. And it's, you know, we got we got to put, you know. We got to make sure we got guys on the puck. We got to make sure we don't give up in the middle. We got to make sure we get pucks in deep. We got, you know, it's like the same thing over and over and over again. And we, we so get we get so sick of these robotic responses to everything. And it's like, okay, if you're just going to ask bland questions, you're going to get bland answers, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And I'm pretty sure Dreisaitl was just sick and tired of getting these dumb questions. And he had enough. And that was it. And... You know, how Matheson responded after the fact was kind of stupid, especially for a guy that's been around that long. But again, I think he was just being fed, you know, just just fueling the fire. Right. Just throwing more coal, more wood or whatever onto the fire from everybody else around him. And it just made this whole thing blow up. I mean, what did you expect him as the reporter? What would you expect him to say? If you said, how do you make this better? Like, all of a sudden, he has the answer?
1: Of course not. If he had the answer, they'd be putting it out on the ice. Well, and the other thing is that I thought that was actually a very honest answer when he said we have to get better at everything. I mean, because there's not one thing that's wrong with the Oilers. There's not. I mean, if, if you look at it, I mean, there are games where they get shut out. And you go, whoa! They lost six to nothing, and yet they have Drysidle and McDavid as like a one-two punch, and they got shut out. You know what I mean? So obviously scoring's a problem. There's games where they all, you know, at the same time they gave up six goals, right? So defense and goaltending's a problem, right? You know, power plays are a problem, penalty killing's a problem. Everything is a problem. So when he says we have to get better at everything, I honestly thought that was an honest answer, you know. There's not one thing, but at the same time, he's also like saying the team is responsible. He's not going to like NHL players don't single out. Under most circumstances, they don't circum. Uh, they don't single out a teammate. They don't blame the coach. They don't blame a teammate. You know, yeah. you'll There's never hear like
0: rules, right?
1: Right, but you know, if 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 a if a team loses three to two. The Ford is going to say, We should have scored more goals. The defenseman is going to say, We should have blocked more shots. The goaltender is going to say, You know, I, you know, there's one that I gave up that I'd like to have back, right? Like they're all going to say, you know, something like that. The coach is going to say he made poor decisions and it had nothing to do with the players on the ice. It had with, how he played them, right? Like, everybody is going to blame themselves. Hockey is a very selfless sport in that way, and I like that. You know, I, I like that a lot. It's it's a team sport. I mean, look, McDavid is the greatest player in the league right now, and he can't do it alone, just like Gretzky was the greatest player in the league, and he couldn't do it alone, right? Or, you know, Lemieux for all those years couldn't do it alone. Like, you need – it, it takes a team, right? So – I think, well, first of all, I think just saying, like, why are you so pissy? I mean, that, that's, oh, my God. That sounds like something a grandfather would say to his 10-year-old granddaughter. You know what I mean? Like, why are you being so pissy? Why can't you just sit down and finish your Christmas dinner with yeah, the rest to, of the family? Then you can go Twitter or whatever it is that you do, right? I mean, it just seems so. To use yeah. an
0: overused phrase, it was Bush League. I mean, that's it was straight up Bush League. That's what that was.
1: And I'm surprised they didn't cut his mic. He escalated it. And then he was just like, you know, it's just, uh, it was just, whatever. You know what? Look. It's interesting, though.
0: You see what happened and you're like, okay, is this the spark they needed to, like, piss them off just enough that they're going to go and, like, set the world on fire and go and blow everybody out from here on out? Well, no. I mean, in the last 15 games they actually have played, they've only won three of them. Now, I I say in the last 15 games they've actually played because Mm -hmm. they should have played 10 more in that time frame, Mm -hmm. but they were all postponed. So, you know, it's it's the inconsistencies, and they're not the only team that has been playing inconsistently this year, but they are a Canadian team that has, and they get way more focus. Not only that, like you said, they have arguably the, the best player in the world on their roster. And two of the top goal scorers and point getters in the league. Mm-hmm. And it's like you can't buy a win, it seems like at this point. And I've said this before. I mean, We've talked about the Oilers ad nauseum on this show at various points in time. What have the Oilers needed for years? They need a solid goaltender, and they need defenders to play in front of them. They need mm-hmm. a defense. And they haven't had that. And until they get that, that's going to be your problem. Because the thing is, you can score five goals every night. The problem is, your back end's going to give up six. Mm-hmm. You can't win like that. It's, it's, just, it's not a good formula. So, you know, the Nuge is back, I heard. So... Maybe that'll give them a spark that they need.
1: Who give them knows? a nudge in the right direction.
0: A, a little, a little nudge in the right direction. So nice. We'll, we'll see.
1: All right. So earlier today, you told me about eBay is going to do card authentication, and I was like, huh? And then yeah. I looked into did, it, and I was just if we like, didn't "Need Ugh. more
0: authenticators or so-called experts out there? <laughs> Let's get another one."
1: Sure. Well, although it seems like they're, uh, they're looks like they're um, outsourcing
0: they're it. it. Yeah, they're farming it out.
1: Yeah, they're farming it out. But, um, so here's the thing. They're, eBay will authenticate cards that are worth $750 and up. And uh, it's free for now. Or I'm going to quote what they say on their website because I looked up and down three times trying to find the fine print and then I realized it was right there at the top eBay covers all the costs associated with the authentication process for a limited time and you know when you hear for limited time you know that means that the McRib is not going to be around forever so you better take advantage of that McRib or Mountain Raspberry Shake or Shamrock Shake or whatever the heck it is because it's only around for a limited time so you know now it's going to be free but eventually, it's not. Yeah. And and what, what, while while you piece your thoughts together, you, let me just let me just uh, give them the whole outline. So no, you sell a card that's uh, worth seven hundred and fifty or more dollars. It gets shipped to eBay. eBay authenticates it. They put it in a holder, which looks like a card saver too. Honestly, they put a sticker on that holder that's tamper proof. Right, then they send the buyer that card with the sticker saying it's authentic and then there's like a barcode that you can scan with your phone and then it it'll tell you like about the card, I guess. And um, the idea is, is that this way when you buy a card that's worth a lot of money, 750 and up is that uh, threshold, you know that you're getting an authentic card and not a fake card. so that's kind of how it is, um, and then like like they said, it's it's free for now. Now keep in mind that if you sell a card for seven hundred and fifty dollars, you're paying about seventy five. You're paying about ninety dollars in fees. So okay, I'm you glad know. you
0: brought that up because I was going to yeah. say yeah, it's free, but nothing's well,
1: free. That's the thing though. Like if I sell a three dollar card and eBay takes, you know. 40 cents of that as their fee. I mean, they're not, you know, they're not making any money. I mean, they're making a little money to micropayment, right? But if I sell a card for $1,000, eBay is going to get uh, 120, we'll just say like $125, right? So they can afford to reship the card to somebody for 5 or $10 and, and also, you know, pay somebody to authenticate it, you know, because you look at that, they might be out, you know, 10 bucks for the authentication or whatever, or you know, they have somebody in the office who looks at it. I mean, even though they're farming it out, they said it was gonna be like CSC or I think CGA were gonna be the two um that were gonna authenticate. Um, but but the point is is that you know they make so much in in that fee that they can, you know, kind of shoulder the load for that cost. But I wouldn't be surprised if they uh, because they're making this a requirement you're required to do this you're if if the card sells for more than 750 it is required to be sent in for authentication okay so that's everything that i needed to say about that just so that and we gets, have all the details out there yeah
0: and it gets a blue check mark
1: or something like that
0: i think was the thing they said on your auction it'll have yes. a blue check mark that it's that it's going through that process yes so so okay there's a lot of things at play here And whether you think it's good or whether you think it's not good, here's my thing. First of all, what I see from a hockey standpoint in this, right, there's two cards, two main cards that I can think of throughout the history of hockey cards
2: Mm -hmm.
0: that are consistently fraudulent. Mm-hmm. You can probably guess what those two are.
1: Well, off the top of my head, I'd say Gretzky's rookie and, well, tops Gretzky and Opeachy Gretzky rookies. Uh, that's one. And I don't know, maybe Lemieux because that would seem, seem to be like a pretty good card to yeah. to fake.
0: Those are the two that come up pretty much all the time now. I don't I don't really go that far back in vintage and I don't know how big of an issue that is, but the Gretzky and Lemieux cards have been known to be forged for many, many, many years. And again, we're just keeping this strictly hobby, hobby related from a hockey standpoint. In my mind, a big part of this hobby is jerseys, patches, autos, right? It's a huge, I mean, it's a huge, huge part. These aren't included from what I was reading. Yes, Autographs that's aren't correct. on the list. Patches aren't on the list. In order for those to go through this process, you still have to get them graded first before they'll even look at them. Which to me seems kind of strange because why would you send it to a grading card company who's supposed to be looking at it to grade the card and you would think they would flag things as having issues because mm-hmm. In your own experience, you've seen you send stuff in and they think it's trimmed. They tell you it's trimmed or they tell you it's miscut or they tell you it looks like it's been doctored, right? But for mm-hmm. some reason, they don't seem to tell you, yeah, I don't think this card's real. I think it's counterfeit or I don't know how they do it with the autographs. If they have an autograph authenticator and say, yep, this is 100% real autograph. But I think that's, okay, fine. So I sold this, I don't know, connor McDavid Young Gun for $800. Mm -hmm. So it has to be authenticated. I mean, let's be honest. Let's be honest here. Who's going to counterfeit one of those when there's a billion of them out there?
1: Well, not only that, but it's a tough card to counterfeit because of the hologram.
0: Impossible, yeah. no, but no, different. Well, I'm sure they could, but you understand what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, that makes it a little harder because every hockey card in the last how many years has a hologram on it, right? Because of upper deck, yes. But you see what I'm saying, and what everybody is sending in now to be graded and everything else, it's all ultra modern stuff. So it's like, okay, great. So this, I can't send in these RPAs. Or, like, I can't have these RPAs looked at because they fall under the patch auto. So they're not going to authenticate those. So it's going to have, I mean, from a hockey standpoint, it boils down to you have to sell a card over $750 that doesn't have an auto or jersey on it. So it's going to have to be a base card. Only thing popping off the top of my head is a PMG right now from metal. I mean, that or a rookie card, a really high-end rookie card. But even then, most people are going to send those in for grading, especially newer stuff. So I'm I'm trying to wrap my head around what the heck can sell for $750 that doesn't have a jersey, patch, or auto on it.
1: Oh, I mean, any vintage hockey, you know, Bobby Orr rookie card, a... Gordie oh. Howe, Maurice Richard, I mean... Okay,
0: fine, but I'm talking modern. I'm talking modern, right? So let's go... What, last 20 let, years? Let's put a cutoff. Let's, yeah, sure, let's say from 2000 forward. I, I mean, I don't know.
1: Marc-Andre anything. Fleury's getting in that territory. Mm-hmm. I mean, his young gun is like $450 to $600. Okay. And I know this because I've been trying to buy one for the last two years, and they're always way out of uh what i can pay okay so but that's again one.
0: i I just go back to the uh, i mean how much of this
1: and yeah how, the pmgs how, i mean i have a fifteen sixteen uh mcdavid pmg red that's uh numbered out of 150 and i mean i've seen that card ungraded sell for five grand on ebay ungraded and well, graded sell for like 15 grand
0: well, and I always take what we say and I try to relate it back to hockey because that's what we focus on and right, the hockey yes. hobby in general. I mean, I could see this for all the other sports and and you go, you go down the line of all the counterfeit, you know, cards that have been made over the years and various things. I mean, the Jordan right. rookie comes to mind.
1: Mattingly I mean, that, rookie.
0: You know, I, yeah, I've it's seen, one. I've seen tons of the, you know, tops rookies back in the eighties in baseball that were counterfeited.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean,
0: People have tried to counterfeit the 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 Griffey rookie upper deck. I don't know why, because there's eight billion of those there's too. A lot
1: of them, yeah.
0: They're still making those, um, and um, that's a joke, by the way. Yeah. If if upper decks listening, um, so yeah. It, I, I mean, I don't know. So my opinion on this is, I think that from a hockey standpoint, the biggest things that we would need authenticated. Are the patches in the autos because autos can be forged in those patches how many times have we seen instances where somebody gets a card tears out the patch that was in there and puts in something fake to make it look like it's a one-of-one one shield mm-hmm. you know from the cup or something like that it happens all the freaking time way too often and these are faked and forged and and it, it's just ridiculous um those are the kind of things i think needs a verification
1: well okay so here's the thing with that like you and i i mean we've 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 bought and sold enough hockey cards and collected enough hockey cards that like if we spent five minutes looking at a lemieux rookie card we could tell if it was if it was a uh, a fake card or it, you know if it was the real deal right i mean i'm not saying that we would be impervious to fakes. I'm just saying that we have a, we probably have a pretty good way of figuring it out. Right. But if, or or any vintage card, right. You send me a 1973, 74 tops, Billy Smith rookie card. Yeah. I could take a look at it. I'd compare it to all my other 73, 74 tops cards. I'd look for, you know, things and see, you know, okay. The, the, way it feels, the way it's printed, this, that, the other thing, right. Whatever autographs are a whole other thing, because you show me the autograph of, um, I don't know, uh, I'll just pick a Penguins player that maybe you know what his autograph looks like, but I don't know what it looks like. Uh, what is it, P.O. Joseph? Pierre Oliver Joseph?
0: Pierre Olivier Joseph, yeah.
1: Olivier, okay. He, uh, I don't know what his autograph looks like. If you gave me a, this card and said, here, it's his autograph on on this card, I'd be like, it's card of him, and it's got an autograph on it. and. I'll assume that it's his autograph because on the back it says this card is guaranteed guaranteed by the Upper Deck Company to be autographed by the player pictured on the front. Although they always mention the player on the front. So, I mean, those are pretty foolproof. But I could see why they'd say, you know what, we're not going to get into autographs because then we have to become experts on, on autographs. And you know what, we're not going to become experts on jersey cards overnight because, like you said, people can fake jersey cards. So you send me a card card from you know 2009 and it's a cup card and I go oh okay yeah that looks like a piece of a jersey and that looks like an autograph and maybe I have no idea that it's not that guy's autograph because I'm not versed with his autograph earlier in the show I bring brought up Chris Chelios I know what his autograph looks like with my my eyes closed somebody sent me his uh a card that was autographed by him it was trade you know he traded it to me and he said to me, he said, I traded somebody else for this autograph many years ago. And I looked at it, I go, yeah, that's his autograph. You know what I mean? I, I've seen it enough times that I know what it looks like. Now, I'm not saying that somebody couldn't have forged that autograph to look really good. But just looking at it, it, it looked legit to me. Um, you kind of sure. have to be an expert on that. And so, yeah, that that those two things, autographs and, and jersey pieces, add a layer of complexity that eBay is not. Ready to handle.
0: So you're saying, you, if you got a Steve Larmer rookie signed by Steve Ludzik, you would
2: you would know?
1: Well, I never got Steve Ludzik autograph, unfortunately. I do have a Steve Ludzik rookie signed by Steve Larmer. That works too. Yeah. Well, I mean, technically, it's the card says Ludzik, but it pictures Larmer. But then I also have Larmer's card, which p- pictures Ludzik. Also autographed by Larmer. So, whatever. Covered so all my to, base.
0: You got it the one way, but not the other.
1: Yeah. 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 I've never had the so opportunity covered. to meet Steve Ludzik.
0: Um, so yeah. I'm sure they're going to open the platform up to other things as it goes on. But here's all I see with this. Okay. So now you, okay, we're going to do the 750 cards and up.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: Now we're going to do the 500 cards and up. Okay. Now we're going to do the 100 cards and up. And guess what? Now all of a sudden, Somebody buys something from you. You ship it the next day. They don't get their card for a month and a half because it's sitting in a warehouse somewhere waiting for whoever to authenticate it. And I guess they're going to use, was it uh, C- CCG? They hired the parent company of, was it CSG? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Just too many letters, alphabet soup. Yeah, I agree. But, yeah, so who's to say these guys don't get such a horrible backlog that no one gets their cards forever, and it turns into PSA again.
1: Well, they said that it was going to be a two-day turnaround time.
0: Yeah, good luck on that.
1: I mean, I mean, I'm just saying they're they're saying that it's going to be. They can uh,
0: say whatever they want until they realize the logistics of this and how many people are going to take advantage of this. Mm-hmm. It's going to, it's going to become ridiculous. And like I said, so they're going to have to open. If, it
2: up. I
1: guess here's. I don't I see this okay so I kind of see it as maybe a little silly in some cases but I can understand the reasoning so I mean one big problem is people can send you a card that's not the card that's pictured in the auction so I show you this card I send it to you and then um I sent you the different, a a, a lesser grade, you know, not a graded card, but like, you know, the one that you see on the site has got perfect centering. The one that I send you is off centered. Now you're like, well, this isn't the same card, right? So I could see eBay being the middleman and saying, well, okay, we're going to make sure, yes, okay, we confirm that this card that we have in our hand is the card that's pictured in the auction. Now we're going to send it to the buyer, right? So it, it. in that way, they're kind of authenticating the item, and that's all they're doing. They're not grading it; they're just saying it's that item. And sure, then I don't even know. You have how... to
0: have some type of. There has to be some type of vetting. You can't just say, "Oh, look, here's a, uh, you know, two thousand. What year was this? This is like a two thousand two Fleer throwbacks Gary Risling
1: card. Right.
0: Yep, that's the card. Well, how do I know that's the card? And so I didn't like change this around. And like the real card, he actually has all of his teeth instead of missing a couple in the front. Well, somebody's I mean, gonna have to know something and be some kind of expert in order to be able to figure out and look for the typical signs of it not being real.
1: Are they authenticating that the card is the card that's pictured, or are they authenticating that the card is not counterfeit, or both? I thought it was that
0: it's not counterfeit. I thought the whole idea was to eliminate that fraudulent portion of the practice.
1: Right. Um,
0: There has to be experts doing it. And again, if you're utilizing a company that's already bogged down with other things and now you're adding this other layer. I mean, what are they offering up? additional money to pay these guys to bring on a whole nother staff of authenticators?
1: I don't know, but I'm going to read directly from the website. Authentic without a doubt. Get what you ordered. Upon receiving your item, the professional authenticators first check that it matches the listing description. Multi point inspection. Our professional authenticators check numerous inspection points, including corners, edges, conditioned and surface. This process doesn't involve card grading. Seal the deal. Once verified as authentic, each card receives a tamper-proof sticker and QR code, sealing the protective packaging over the card, adding an extra layer of security. Scan the code on your mobile device to learn more about your card and its authentication journey.
2: So,
0: is it is the card an authentic card? Versus is the card a forgery? Because a forgery is an authentic card. It's just counterfeit.
1: Right? And also is it is it the same card that's pictured? Because that's the first thing that it matches the listing description.
2: (sighs) I don't know. This is just it's interesting.
0: I guess if you're, here's the thing, it's not going to affect me because fat chance I'm spending 750 on a card. I agree. Fat chance I'm spending half of that probably on a card ever in my life. But, so this isn't, this isn't my, this isn't in my wheelhouse. I'm not going to buy or sell anything in that range. So it's not going to affect me. It's going to affect people I know. It's going to affect other people in the hobby that I know. So that's why I kind of want to know exactly what they're what they're getting at here. This may be great. It may be a great thing. I think it's weird right now, to be honest.
1: Yes, it's... I mean, look, if it wasn't a problem, then they wouldn't do this, right?
0: Yeah, and obviously it is. And it has been for a long time.
1: I mean, I think about how much... Not so much the expense, but like I think of like the eBay global shipping program when um, I don't want to send some when I don't want to ship something to Europe because shipping to Europe is expensive. Europe or uh, Asia, China, whatever. And uh, I don't want to. Not only do I not want to like say, okay, this is going to cost you $50 for me to ship there. It's like an action figure or something. Uh, not only do I not want to like put that in my listing, I just don't want to deal with it. I don't want to deal with the customs forms. I just don't want to deal with all the extra things that I have to do. But sometimes I will make things available with the global shipping program. Like I sold some action figures not too long ago, and you know somebody spent like fifty dollars to get an action figure shipped to Spain. I didn't want to ship it to Spain. I didn't want to deal with any of that. But I said, okay, global shipping, right? So I ship it to eBay. They inspect it, they repackage it. And as far as inspect it, I think they just make sure that I don't send them like a uh, uh, a cinder block. You know, or some GI Joe cards in the place of whatever, some hockey cards or Pokemon cards, right? So, um. I, 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 you know, like just that extra step. I mean, that that costs the buyer a lot of money because they're paying a lot of money to get it shipped. Like I, I had somebody, they won four of my action figures and then they bailed on paying me for them. And I said, well, wait, why are you bailing for pay, on payment? And he said, because the global shipping program is going to charge me $80 to ship $60 worth of action figures. And I'm like, well, I had no idea. And that sucks, you know, and... Oh, and I he couldn't, didn't, really he didn't say,
0: sorry, my son got my phone.
1: No, no, actually... <laughs> People in Europe are a lot more polite. You know, I mean, I had one guy say to me, he Oh, said, less you know fraudulent.
0: What? Go figure. Huh? In less I fraudulent, had, go figure.
1: I had one buyer from China who said, Look, if I bought these and I had them shipped with the eBay Global, whatever, it would cost me like $80. He said, Would you consider shipping them directly to China? Can you just figure out how much it would cost? And I said, All right, man. I'll do this for you. So I figured it out and then it was like $35 and he was happy. I was happy because I made the sale and whatever. But I guess the point is, is that like whenever you add another layer to something, you're adding an extra expense to something. And I don't see this being a good thing in the long run. I mean, one reason why I don't sell cards on eBay anymore. Well, one is because of fraud or people saying I didn't get the item. The item's not as described you know, the expense. I like doing card shows better. Um, is the Same with buying. Sure, I'll buy a 5 or 10 or 20 or maybe a $50 card on eBay because you know what? I can find it there, right? But I think if I ever do get a Gordie Howe rookie card, I'm not going to buy it on eBay. I'm going to buy it from somebody. You know what I mean? I'm just, I'm going to buy it in person if I can, you know, if, if I ever could, you know, that would, be the way i'd want to do it
0: anyway i mean you're preaching to the choir here i haven't seen anything on ebay and i can't even tell
1: you let's talk about
0: happy with it
1: let's talk about this grading card scandal before we move on to our big topic i want to talk about allure hockey i finally posted a box break recently and you bought all the allure that you said you were ever going to buy for this year past year 2021 so we should talk about that but let's talk about this grading scandal because we love the scandals don't we
0: and we're getting bombarded with them this first part of the year it seems like I mean it seems like it's just one thing after another so um yeah I mean I don't know how many people follow this and I don't know how many hockey people are are involved with this but you know everybody knows there's a There's a huge contingent of people out there that have worked closely with some of the grading card companies to um, work out deals where they get submissions at a lower price for higher volumes of submissions. And then they become essentially middlemen go-between to farm out the larger submissions to the grading card companies. So there was one out there called marks cards marks as an m-a-r-x um so they run these group submission things and um another very prominent collector and it's big on social media and with youtube channel and everything else um card collector two his name's ryan um very popular a lot of followers apparently he group subs also and also then submits to marks so that's where that connection came in mm-hmm. so anyway so marks takes prepayments for all their submissions right so i'm going to send him 10 cards and he's going to send in so i got to pay him 10 cards to send all of these in he took everybody's prepayments and spent all the money. I heard he, bo- I heard he opened up like a card shop, and used a bunch of the money to invest in other things. Uh, the rumor is, and I don't know that I ever heard an actual real dollar value, but the rumor was he owed PSA almost a million dollars worth of outstanding invoices for all of the submissions that he had sent in. Um, of course, he doesn't have the money because he spent it all. And everybody that's sent their submissions in through him, PSA has their cards, right? So you don't have your card and you don't have your money. Now Mark's filed bankruptcy to protect himself from all of his stupidity. Whatever, he doesn't like. He doesn't answer anybody. He doesn't get. He doesn't doesn't even address it so this went on for for a while this is this is old news to some people um i guess ryan took to his social platform and basically said he's going to do everything in his power to make it right with his customers um and try to cover it so what does psa do they have a chance here
2: at working on some pr
0: let's just say PSA hasn't had a lot of good PR Mm -mm. recently. So they come out and they issue a statement that says, this is an unfortunate incident and our top priority is protecting the collectors who may have been impacted by the bankruptcy of Mark's cards. We are currently requesting detailed account information from Mark's cards for the impacted orders still at PSA with the express goal of returning cards to their rightful owners as soon as possible we will not be charging customers for the return of their cards. Other than shipping, as of yet, we have not received payment from Mark's cards to grade the cards in our possession. And as a result of this incident, we will be making changes to our group submitter requirements, including a new order upfront deposit and more robust policies around late payments. We'll also be requiring all group subs to bring their accounts current in order to continue service with us. And then of course, the typical road response that every company involved in cards lately is giving. We ask for your patience while we sort through this expensive and labor intensive process with the end goal being the return of cards to their rightful owners. If you submitted cards to Marks and you believe PSA has them, please email PSA CRC at collectors.com. So, essentially, they jump out and they say, Hey, Marks was our one of our subs. He never paid us. We have all of these cards somewhere here. We don't know who they all belong to. But if you want your card back, we'll try to get it to you, as long as you pay us to ship it back to you.
1: Sounds fair. Um, I mean, okay. the whole thing sucks, but PSA is not to blame here, I don't think.
2: Um.
0: for the for this exact action, no, you are correct. They are not to blame. For creating this environment, they are to blame because they are the cause of this environment. By allowing these group subs to exist and to be listed on their website as recommended uh, submitters
2: mm-hmm. and
0: people to go to and say, "Hey, go with this guy, go with that guy." And I'm not saying they're all bad, and i'm not saying I'm not saying any of that. But I'm saying it's very easy, as we see here, that somebody can exploit the system and make a mockery of the whole entire thing, which everybody knows my opinion on grading. I think the whole entire industry of grading is a mockery. But this whole process, especially nowadays when this is all anybody on the higher end part of the collecting spectrum that's looking for the more of the selling side rather than the collecting side Mm -hmm. it's just a another black eye really i mean and there's countless numbers of them lately and it just seems like i think i don't i don't i don't have a suggestion for what psa could could have done i don't think they should have put in their statement here that um, they'll give you your card back as long as you pay us shipping. You know what? Help these people out. Just give them their cards back. Eat the shipping. You can afford it. You know they
1: can't afford it.
0: Yeah, and... just, just eat the shipping and be done with it, right? But
1: I mean, if we're talking thousands of cards, and I'm hundreds sure, it, of it, if
0: if this guy owes them a million dollars, I mean, think think about that. If he owes them one million dollars, just do the do the math here.
1: Yeah, I get it. They can they can afford the ten grand that it's going to cost to ship these cards back or whatever.
0: What I'm saying is he he didn't pay them. No. But if he owes them a million, that means he's got a million dollars worth of submissions. Mm -hmm. Okay. He's probably getting a better deal than what most people are. Mm -hmm. What did PSA change their things? It was like minimum what fifty bucks. Like the minimum to submit a card was like $50 or something like that. So let's say he's getting a highly discounted amount. Let's right. say he's he's only paying $10 per submission. Right. That's 100,000 cards. Right. That they have in their possession that belong to other people that were never paid for. In their eyes. They were paid for in the eyes of the person that was submitting them Mm -hmm. because they already gave the money to whoever they gave the money to. So it's like, (sighs) I don't know. Yeah, it's not PSA's problem, I guess. Like you said, they didn't create this problem. They kind of did. You know, if if I was them, I would be like, okay, here, you got two options. We'll send this back to you and be done with it. Or, hey, we found your card. I understand you're out the money already that you paid for it, but we'll do this for you.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: We'll put it into whatever service you were paying for at uh, half the price. Right. That way they're still getting money It gives the person the option to still keep it with them to pay for it and then eventually get their card back. Graded like they originally wanted. Do I mean, do something for?
1: No, oh, maybe they will.
0: You're, you're. I understand you're a business. You're trying to make money. Do something. Do be. I don't know. I, I want them to be like. I don't want them to be like the, the chair like a charity case kind of thing. That's not all what right. I'm saying. But I'm saying, y- you keep running into all of these. Issues with various things and whether they're small and and barely on the radar for you as a company, they might be huge to the people that could potentially be your customer. Mm -hmm. You have a chance of fixing a very large pockmark on the hobby and can put yourself in front of it without really in the grand scheme losing that much. Covering shipping costs and maybe giving people a discount to actually grade the cards that they thought were being graded. I don't know. I would think that's a would be a big win from a customer service standpoint. But again, yeah. what do I know? And obviously I'm looking at this slanted because I don't I'm not a grading fan, but just from a company standpoint and dealing with customer service, I think they could have they had an opportunity here and I'm not sure they Handle it correctly.
1: Well, I never got involved in group uh, submissions. Thought about it in the past because I had like some vintage hockey that I wanted to get graded. Like and some modern hockey. And while I did end up getting a few things uh, graded by uh, Beckett. And we could talk about that in a future show maybe. But uh, the thing is, is that I'm not. I was just never super keen on the idea of I'm going to leave my cards with somebody else and then I'm going to trust them to send them in. And then I'm, you know, and, and you know, because then a lot of times they want a fee on top of it. Like they'll say, well, we'll get the cards graded you for you for, you know, the $10 grading fee because I'm going to send a thousand at a time plus a dollar a card or $2 a card or whatever. And then I'm just thinking, all right, well, then I'm paying on top of paying. And even though I'm getting it at a discount, then I'm trusting somebody else. I don't know, I just, I don't know.
0: And you use the key word in all of this, trust. Trust. It's trust. And the more and more of these things that keep happening, whether they happen with big companies, with small companies, with individuals, it doesn't matter. It, the, the word trust goes a long way And more and more people are losing it when it Mm -hmm. comes to this hobby. And, I mean, it's gross. It's gross. And I I don't know. I don't know what the answer to all of this is, but something's got to give at some point.
1: Yeah, well i don't know we're gonna see we're definitely gonna see more scandals and problems as as the year goes on this is uh (laughs) which is insane
0: because there's already been like five and it's only january
1: yeah i mean hey you want to go back six months you know a year let's talk about other things let's talk about you know ComC and shipping let's talk about uh target not selling cards for a while i mean there's been tons of this i mean sports card collecting is as high profile as it has been since 1990. And there's just, a, you know, there's a lot of crime and corruption with that. Unfortunately, you know, with with the prestige also comes the problems. You yeah. know, as they say, mo' money, mo' problems, right?
0: Follow the money. That's...
1: Mo' money, mo' problems.
0: What it boils down to. Speaking of Boyle, he scored tonight. Anyway, that's besides the point. Um, yeah, so I, I don't know. It's, it's like... Um, I don't know what the right answer is. I don't know what the right fix is because I don't think there is one to really any of it. Cause you're always going to have bad seeds, right? right. There's always going to be a bad seed. There's always going to be somebody, the proverbial person that ruins it for the rest of us.
2: Mm-hmm. You
0: know, there's always going to be that.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: It, it, it's just when, when there's so much of it and it's so overly publicized, know look at how many over the last five six months look at how many instances of hobby shops being broken into and robbed i know have have popped up that's insanity like i never in a million years would have thought you know uh, the hobby shops would get robbed i think of where one of my favorite shops is in this area and you know it's in a corner of a strip center that also has a fireworks store and a pizza place and a subway and a Mexican restaurant and you know like a insurance office and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. And of of all the places to get robbed, I wouldn't I would never wouldn't for a second think it'd be the baseball card store. But yet today that's target number one.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Cause they'll buy they'll, you know, steal the cards and then try to sell them. You know?
0: And that's exactly it a lot of these hits that you're seeing they know exactly what they're taking because these places have inventory of what was stolen and it's it's all the high profile stuff that gets talked about over and over again and gets put on the news and you know talked about on twitter and you know focused on ebay as being like the highest selling this or that of whatever it's that stuff they're not taking you know they're not busting cases and stealing you know vintage cards Mm-mm. They're not busting they're not busting through cases and stealing, you know, you know, the guy's the guy's silver coin collection that that rents the one little booth at the end in the card mm-hmm. shop. They're not stealing that kind of stuff. They're taking all this ultra modern stuff that everybody talks about on a daily basis.
1: The graded Mike Trout or the graded Jordan rookie or the Kobe rookies. Yeah. They even have
0: time for that. They're grabbing wax boxes.
1: Oh yeah. Well, those would and be easy to. Then you just throw those up on Craigslist or on uh, OfferUp, or even eBay.
0: You know what makes matters worse? Hmm. This is a different subject that we've talked about before. Is they they break into these stores and they steal all their wax, and pretty much anymore in the in hobby shops, all the wax is retail. Yeah. Because they've all gone and bought retail because they can't get their own allocations for hobby because the distributors can't give it to them because they've given all the distribution to the breakers. So there's so many levels of it. I mean, we could sit here all day and talk about all the levels of of BS to the whole entire thing. We could spend a whole show on that.
1: Well, let's wrap the show up with uh, 2021 allure hockey because I want to end on a on a high note and uh you wanted to talk about this set, and like I said, I just did a break of it recently, so um, I Anything guess now this is good. At...
0: Which, which color is this high note?
1: Uh, it is the uh, it is red, because I like the red parallels, the red uh, pixels, I guess you call them. Is it red uh,
0: pixel or red rainbow? Or red prism?
1: I don't know. I thought they were called. Does it say I on thought... the back? Uh, yeah, it actually... I was gonna say oh, wait, the Opeachi
0: Platinums actually have what they're from on the back.
1: Which is super helpful. I like the fact that they now they're giving like these uh they're giving them like official names. Uh looking at my these do not have the name of the parallels on them. No. Okay. So just you just have to guess. Um okay, so 2021 allure hockey came out right before the 2122 season started because we're behind. You know we're finally starting to get some 21-22 releases now, but you know we still had 2021 releases. I know a couple shows ago we talked about OPG Platinum. So Alert Hockey, when it came out, it was selling for about 160 a box. Now it's settled down to about 140 a box. You get 8 packs per box. You get 8 cards per pack. So assuming you spent 140 per box, no tax, no shipping, You spent $17.50 per pack or $2.18 per card. So these are not cheap. Now, you get one autograph per box. It's a sticker autograph. And you get one jersey card per box. And your box will get you 64 cards. So yeah, Allure. I mean, it had, um, there were a, let me think for a minute here. There were uh, actually I have the ratios right here. We had um, something like uh, I know there's a hundred. There's 70 base veteran cards.
0: Base there's base. Th- yes.
1: Base. And then they have something that they're calling base rookie cards. Right. And then they have short printed or high number rookie cards. So uh, and cards that's once, what they had.
0: That's what they had last year, too.
1: And I find that confusing because why would you? you have two rookie cards so let me just reiterate so cards one through seventy are veterans 71 through 100 are rookie cards but they're pretty easy to get there's 30 of them and you get about 10 per box and then you get one per pack you get high numbered rookie cards and those are cards 101 through 150. so i mean if you like bowen bowen byram he's got two cards in that he's got a low numbered rookie card and a high numbered rookie card you like liam foodie well guess what he's got a low numbered rookie card And he's got a high-numbered rookie card. So then that rounds you out to 150. And then there's like a boatload of parallels. Some are die-cut. Some are different colors. There's different um, inserts, uh, which, you know, I can usually take or leave. And um, I felt okay about this product. I know we talked about it a little bit when we talked about Opeechee Premier. And you very astutely pointed out that, well, Opeechee—excuse me, not Opeechee Premier— Opichi Platinum, when we talked about Opichi Platinum, and you very astutely pointed out that you get more cards in Platinum, the cost per box is cheaper, and the autograph is on card and not on a sticker stuck yeah, to the card. That's So key. all of those things made me, like when we talked about that after we did that show, I actually went out and I bought a full set of Opichi Platinum because I said, I'm going to pick one and that's going to be the one that I pick. So um, needless to say, I like platinum better than Allure. Um, I know I also joked about, I think I called it Chrome fatigue, but now I think I want to call it metal fatigue because that's actually a thing. Like metal fatigue, like the bridge collapsed because of metal fatigue, you know, it was all rusted or whatever, right? But here I'm just talking about like, we have three sets that are like, well, okay. I won't say that Skybox Metal is the same, but we got three shiny sets. We got Metal, which is kind of like its own strange animal, which I love, and that's fine. But then we have Allure and opichi Platinum, and they really, the cards look the same. They feel the same. I mean, you take them out, you're, you, you touch them, they feel the same. You know, maybe this one is bumpier because it has more lines on it or whatever. But you look at them, they look the same. I mean, I just, I, I struggle to see a difference on, like, how one is better than the other or more unique than the other, other than... The Opeechee card looks like the OPC base set, but all Platinum-y.
0: And Allure has the different design, but you're right. It's that, you know, the base cards are that chrome mirror finish. So.
1: If you slapped an OPC logo on this Allure card, it would become an Opeechee card, right? I mean, there's just, there's nothing. There's if you put an
0: OPC logo on any card, it would be an OPC
1: card. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, you know, you think about like, how artifacts has like a very unique design that's artifacts right like artifacts tends to use a lot of like old things like old maps or like leather bound uh, book type Uh, like I remember like the 0708 artifacts had kind of like this brown I want to say almost like a leathery background and it had like the, it Old like foil the
0: corner pieces.
1: Corners, right? So it felt like an old book. You know what I mean? Like artifacts. Like a
0: photo stuck in an old photo album with the little corner holders.
1: Yes, or that, right? So artifacts has a very like It's a old distinct
0: design. You can tell artifacts when you see
1: it. To it, and you could tell SP authentic, right? What 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 characterizes SP authentic? It's white. White, the white background. So then the player, the player really pops in, and on top of that, they put a spot varnish coat on the player so he is the player's glossy but the rest of the card is matte so like there are like these design pretty bad conventions when you,
0: when the only thing you can say about what do you think of this set it's
1: white <laughs> well no but it's it's it, i like allure excuse me i like sp authentic because of the fact that it gets rid of the backgrounds and it really focuses on the player uniforms being colorful. Yeah.
0: Speaking of colorful, Allure is pretty colorful.
1: Lots of parallels. We need parallels. Lots of parallels, right? We got red parallels. We got green parallels. We got black parallels. We got orange parallels. We probably have parallels that I haven't even come across yet that probably exist, but I'm too tired to look them up.
0: Like leopard and yellow taxi. Those oh yeah. Those, those you wouldn't have gotten, but those are out of blaster boxes. They also have Actually,
1: I did I did come across a yellow taxi at a uh card show for it was yeah. a Mark Andre Fleury yellow taxi for a quarter. I bought it. There's
0: Worth also There's also in this this year's set, the the 2021, there's three different versions of the NHL shield logo background. Background so,
1: on what?
0: So you look you're looking at the card right now right
1: i'm looking at a card yes yeah
0: so see all that all that mirror finish in the border yep instead of being that it would have a floating nhl logo all around mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. and there's three different versions of that there's the 1917 shield the 1945 shield and the 2005 shield
1: mm-hmm. i don't so think i got th- any of those
0: three different and in- well you wouldn't have got the 05 one because that's walmart but the other two are um, the 45 shield and the 17 shield are both numbered.
2: Oh, yeah. So no, I didn't get any of those. Those are
0: numbered parallels. Yeah. But you're right. There's a million different ones. Golden Treasure, Purple Diamond, White Diamond, Green Quartz, Blue China, Steel, Magenta. I mean, it's it's like an endless list.
1: Like I said, Allure is not a bad set, but it doesn't do anything necessarily better than opichi Platinum.
0: Yeah, it doesn't do anything better. I will agree with that. I I mean, here's the thing. Allure, yeah, you got your base cards, you got your base rookies, you got your SP rookies, you got all the various colors. But I think the one thing that um, Allure tries to do is they just try to shove that parallel thing down your throat. That's really what it boils down to. Well,
1: so does Platinum. Remember how many... Parallels we counted with platinum? Yeah. We like twelve or something. It was nuts.
0: Platinum adds another it, it just adds I feel like it adds something else though. Not that I don't like allure, I do. But it's like I don't know, I think I think allure is more insert driven.
1: Maybe. I mean, I mean how many
0: how many inserts did you get in a box?
1: Uh, let's see. I got three of the grand in- entrance inserts sure. and then I got, let's see, so I got three grand entrance and then I got one iced out and one diagnostics and then I got the, uh, I don't know if you count the, um, the uh, autographed cards card singular, but yeah, so I got one, two, three, four, five inserts. So you almost got one per uh pack i mean you got like two rookie cards per pack so i'll tell you this if you're somebody who so likes five rookie inserts cards,
0: five inserts and an auto and a jersey and card a, and a jersey card and a bunch of rookies you're not going to yep. get you won't really get that in platinum i think platinum oh, you, boxes only had three inserts
1: yeah but a lot of parallels and also a lot of rookies because you had like uh the rookies were a little easier to put together like the the set of rookie cards
0: I still go back to the on-card auto i'd much rather have that that's just me though
1: yeah and you know the other thing too is that like if the if the cards were all designed like these red pixel parallels which reminds me of like those um those remember uh panini prism yeah remember they had like the different uh Pixely parallels like the blue ones, the green ones, the purple ones, the yeah, red like ones.
0: The, the red and blue pulsar.
1: Pulsar, yeah. I freaking loved the pulsar cards. I now realize I'm never gonna have a full set of pulsar any color from uh, Panini Prism because they've all gone up in value. I think, I think the most valuable one I have, I, I actually have a Tom Wilson red pulsar parallel, which I will sell at the next national.
0: It's the only thing I didn't like about that, and that's it's a different thing, but it was hard to tell the difference between red pulsar and red. Yes. Same I thing think... with the blue pulsar and blue, because mm-hmm. like the Walmart and Target blasters had just the regular red and blue. But then in hobby, they had inserted the pulsar ones, which looked very similar.
1: Yeah, but I think the Pulsar had the little bricolage, the little pixely type.
0: Yeah, you had to hold it a certain way because where the red and blue were flat, the other was more like what you have there with this, the sparkly.
1: Right. It was well, more I glittery. Have, I have the same complaint with OPG and the OPG rainbow uh, parallels where you just, oh, you hold it in the light and the background looks different and uh, it actually looks nicer. Now I wish they were all kind of like this, right? So.
0: Yeah, those yeah, bothered I mean, me on old years when they didn't print on the back that it it was in fact a rainbow parallel, right? But you're right. You look at the card and you're like, oh, it's a mirror. And then you look at this one and you're like, oh, wait a minute. I think that I see like a rainbow in the background. Not real sure. There's colors on this one. You know you what the to-
1: worst parallels were in recent memory? Ten eleven score glossy. Oh, what glossy. a yeah. freaking waste of a parallel. It's the same card, but with more gloss on the front.
0: They did that more than one year.
1: No, I think the next year, then they went to gold. They only did glossy that first year with Was uh, it? With, with 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 score from 10-11 to thirteen fourteen. Then the next couple of years, they did gold parallels. Oh, I, th-
0: I thought they did glossy again the the following year, but you you might be right with the uh, yeah. Heck- so they had they had the glossy. And then they had the 30th anniversary parallels and then they had like the French back parallels. And then the one year they did like red backs. Yes. Which which I didn't even realize I had some of, and they were just all in my commons box. Right. So yeah.
1: Yeah. So I I think that, yeah, the more, the more noticeable you can make a parallel, the more fun it is. And I think when you just like,
2: uh,
1: if you have to look too hard, it almost kind of takes away, from the oh cool I got something unique and different and fun.
0: So, yeah, it's seeing the background on Euro Peachy Platinum where it's where it's a mirror or it's mm-hmm. a colored mirror versus oh look it's Austin Matthews floating in space. Distinct difference between a base card and that
1: parallel. Yes. So why did you not buy any alert this year? You said you bought a few singles, and I think you said you bought a pack or maybe a blaster, if that. Or
0: I didn't even buy a blaster. I didn't get any alert. I I've bought I've bought some singles.
1: Chasing the um, penguins.
0: Yeah, just pretty much getting the penguin cards that that I need. Um, I don't know. I I, I just didn't. It didn't. 2021 is going to go down in history as a weird card collecting year for me because I had a lot of things, a lot of outside influences that popped up that, that prevented me from maybe focusing on collecting as much as I did in years past Mm -hmm. that the pandemic forcing cancellations and delays is another one. And like you said, by the time this came out, my mind had already moved on. Like I'm on 21 22. I don't really want to be opening 2021 product unless I absolutely have to. I want a new product. Well, right. guess what? Other than MVP, we don't really have anything yet. Right. So, you know, this is kind of what you're left with. And of course, you open this and you're thumbing through your pile of, um, a million rookie cards, right? And you're already seeing probably of the 50 that are in there or 30 that are in there, there's got to be at least 10 guys that haven't sniffed the NFL, the NHL.
1: Well, it's funny. Every time I pull Morgan Geeky and he's with the Kraken now, so it's just kind of like, oh, yeah,
0: guys have changed teams or they got moved down or some of these guys may even be out of the league already.
1: I mean, I got excited to get a Gabe Velarde autograph, and then I saw that he was in the minors, and I'm like, "Oh, yay! I guess."
0: Velarde's in the minors because he's young, but he's a good, he's a good, solid player. He'll be back. Yeah, he'll be back. I mean, it, it it's like that with a lot of guys. I think you know Peyton Krebs is in there on the Vegas Golden Knights. Well, he's no longer a Golden Knight. You know, he was part of the Eichel trade, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. he's he's in Buffalo. In fact, he got his first goal the other night. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of potential here, uh, with, with a lot of these players from a rookie standpoint, but, uh, was, was, uh, was, um, Kaprizov even in the checklist?
1: I don't know. Did
0: he, did he make it onto the checklist for, for that?
1: Well, I I don't know honestly, but I know there's um, an
0: Alexei Lafreniere. I think he's card number hundred out of the set, if I remember right.
1: mm mm-hmm. Oh yeah, just, Lafreniere is definitely in that.
0: I just didn't remember if Kaprizov was in there. He might be in the he might be in the short prints. He is
1: That's in the base extended rookies. So there's there's five XRCs. Uh. Alexander Romanoff, Dylan Cousins, Ilya Sorokin, Kirill Kaprizov, and Tim Stutzel. So they were kind of like super extra hard, and they don't even have the same um, numbering. They're numbered XRCAR, XRCDC, XRCIS, XRCKK for Kirill Kaprizov, and XRCTS. So it looks like kind of like at the last moment they said, oh, more rookies that we should have included in the set so then they figured out a way to put them in there so you know what that's another good point is that you know even like you know if you think of like cousins kaprizov and stutzel being you know three of the most notable rookies from the 2021 class i mean lafreniere is kind of his own thing because he's like super hyped because he was the first overall pick but then he was kind of disappointing then he kind of came around he plays for the Rangers, the, i.e. the Broadway effect. So, I mean, you have all these factors that are going to kind of, like, um, bolster his stock, so to speak. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it is, it, yeah, that's another point, too. It's like, okay, why do we have two uh, Bowen Byron rookies? Like, when we one of them could be Tim Stutzel, right? So, yeah, the checklist is just, eh. I don't know. Like, I guess that's the thing, too, is like, what's the point of having a rookie card from 71 to 100 if also you have 30 of those same guys in 101 through 150?
0: Did you mention, did I hear you mention Sorokin was in that?
1: He's one of the the XRCs.
0: Yeah. See, that's crazy to me. Because it's like, okay, here's, oh, here's some guys we forgot that are kind of good, so we'll make them an extra card. Sorokin, like, started as a rookie in the playoffs. Right. I only remember yeah. that because he freaking s- smoked the penguin. It's like, uh, how do these guys not get regular base cards? It's weird.
1: I don't know. It's just like I said, it,
0: it, I, I think I mentally moved on from this. Yeah, Allure's cool. I like it. I would buy it probably if it was a lower price point. I mean, 1920, hmm. phew, I picked 1920s up all day long around 100 to 120
1: bucks right
0: um and i like that year and like i said i like these too i like the design despite the frustration of all the colors and everything else i do think it's kind of cool and add some variety especially for people that collect the rainbows and go after those um but i don't know i think mentally i had moved on already from that and so i'm like i want the new stuff. That's probably
1: why that's understandable. I mean, that's totally understandable. I mean, I think that's, uh, that's kind of why, like, and we'll talk about this in another show, but like with Topps hockey album stickers, I bought them as soon as they came out. I didn't want to wait till the end of the season when they would be marked down when, you know, a box that was $45 is now $30. No, I wanted to enjoy it now in the season that it was from and not like, try to complete it the next year at a discount. Yeah, I mean, of course, I could buy old Panini stickers from the past four or five years for, you know, 15, 20 bucks a box, even less than that sometimes. But, you know, there's no fun in that. I get it. it, it it's fun to, like, open current products, see current players, get current rookies. And, um, yeah, it, it's a little bit of a tough sell. Like, you know, okay, this set comes out right before the start of the season. I didn't feel that way, though, about – um I didn't feel that way, though, about uh, Skybox Metal. But then again, that got delayed like crazy. Like, all of them got delayed crazy. So, um, but, you know, like I said, that's its own strange, beautiful animal. This, I feel, is like too much of an OPG Platinum clone. Okay. So, I don't know. I mean, look, people who like Allure are going to buy Allure. People who like OPG Platinum are going to buy OPG Platinum. People who just want to break something just to maybe get some rookie cards. Yeah, you get a lot of rookie cards in this. I mean, I pulled 18 rookie cards in one box. What the aftermarket value of those rookie cards is to be seen because, uh, you know, you're going to have your SP Authentic Future Watch rookies. You're going to have your Cup rookies. You're going to have your uh, Young Guns rookies. And those are going to be your most popular. And then, you know, I don't really see anybody beating down the doors for Jack Hughes, allure rookie cards not saying that that's not a bad card to have but it doesn't seem like it's the one that people necessarily want
0: yeah from 1920 other than the Hughes brothers I mean nobody talked about when that's when that came out that's all anybody wanted and then later on it became Adam Fox and Cal McCarr right but I mean again those aren't the big cards they're going to chase and with them being included the the main rookies being included as part of the regular base set with additional short printed versions you still have a huge shot at getting just a regular base rookie right like you said you pulled what would you say 18 yeah between the 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 parallels and everything else
2: yeah. yeah
0: so a lot of rookie content a lot of colorful content if you're if you're a rainbow chaser or you just like like the rookie cards. It's definitely, it's probably definitely worth a shot to bust at at that price point where it is now, because um, everything else is through the roof <laughs> as yeah. far as pricing goes right now. So
1: yeah, so you know I'm kind of lukewarm towards the set, and that's okay. Not everything is for me, and not everything is as good as everything else you know what i mean so it's sometimes it's you know you you make 10 different hockey card sets in a year like upper deck does some are going to be winners some are going to be just kind of there
0: like they say you can't win them all
1: so any last thoughts before we wrap this one up
0: um yeah i just i did want to say something um So I had uh, posted a card this week on Mm -hmm. Twitter just asking if anybody had any information as to print run. Mm -hmm. So it was a short print. It was a 1617 OPG, one of their Easter egg type cards where they threw in the high numbers with uh, award winners. And one of the last ones out of that grouping were the cup captains. And they've done this almost every year where the cup captain card would be like this super super short printed insert that they don't talk about and it pops up out there. Well I have a Crosby one from 1617. <clears throat> I hadn't seen one of these, but um I reached out to the other experts that are out there and I was actually surprised at how many people have come across this card or have encountered similar ones just like it so i just wanted to throw it out there that uh everybody was very helpful and they even got any an upper deck even commented
1: oh yeah
0: yeah they commented basically no comment oh because <laughs> i said i said yep leave it to upper deck and their all their templar secrets <laughs> and of course they posted a picture of a templar knight doing something and They're like, we we do have secrets or something like that. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, you know, nice. So, but yeah, it was, it was interesting information. And, um, I, I think that particular year is more rare than maybe some of the other years. So I don't know. I know there's two out there in the world though. That part I do know now. So there's at least two.
1: So you're not the only one to have one.
0: Yes. Anyway, anyway, that's that was that was my final thought. It's just thanks to everybody that reached out to help.
1: That is awesome. All right, well, thank you for listening to the Puck Junk Hockey Podcast. As always, if you've enjoyed the show, please be sure to like and subscribe. Please write us a review on Apple iTunes, and uh, you can also follow us on YouTube. There's a uh, YouTube uh, Puck Junk channel. Uh, you can subscribe to that. You could uh, support this podcast by buying a shirt at shop.puckjunk.com. Until next time, collect what you like.
0: For more hockey goodness, follow us on Twitter at Puck Junk.